Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Game day. Everybody's playing today, except the Aggies. They don't play until the weekend. They don't have a midweek game. But Utah and Arizona tonight. BYU is at home. They got a tune-up tonight. They got Gonzaga Saturday. Man, that's a huge game. And the Jazz are in New Orleans tonight, going for 11 in a row. And a number that isn't as big, but I think is more significant, they're going for seven straight on the road. They've got the second-best home record in the NBA. With all the bench issues and all that, they've only lost three home games all year. Even the Lakers have lost four. They've lost three home games. So the issue is, can they win on the road? And they are putting together a good streak here. And I know it's losing teams, but, man, winning on the road is hard, and they're doing it. So can they do it again tonight against the Pelicans? We'll get to that coming up. We're going to take a break. Uh, Utah's playing Arizona. Nico Mannion. Son of Pace Mannion. Pace played for the Utes, played for the Jazz, in the NBA for seven years, played in Europe for another decade, came back and did radio here on The Zone, and then pre-half and post for five years with Thurl and I, so we know him pretty well. And we're going to talk with him next, and then Joe Ingles after that. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. We're joined now by Pace Mannion, the former Ute, former jazz player. Now being referred to as the dad of Nico. And he joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung tag a, Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Pace, dad of Nico, good morning. <laughs> How are we doing, guys? It's like crosstalk back in the day. This is awesome. What a yeah, flashback. This is awesome. It's been too long, man. Right? Uh, I, 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 didn't, I didn't sleep last night because I was so excited to do this with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bull. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I slept pretty well, really. Just in case you were wondering if you remembered here in Utah. So, you know, tease ahead a couple segments. What's coming up? And I mentioned that you're coming on, and we've already gotten tweets about you, questions for you, and we will get to those. But, you know, (laughs) you're like a fine sports car, a fine Italian sports car, right? you you got to move through the gears. You can't just throw that thing into fifth gear and peel out, go zero to 60 (laughs) in a tenth of a second. You'll pop an Achilles. I just can't wait. (laughs) So uh, you have played a lot of basketball because obviously you played for the Utes, you played for the Jazz, you're in the NBA for about seven years, you went and played in Europe for another decade or so, and then you started commentating games. You did Jazz pre-half and post for five years. Now all of that, compare that to watching your kid play. How's that been? (laughs) Um, Stressful. Um, You know, I mean, it's great watching him. You know, as a dad, you're always proud to watch your son do what he loves and, and you know, go through his ups and downs and his learning stuff and, and be to, to help guide him through it because you've, you know, been through it. So those things are fun. But watching games, I always remember my dad saying, man, it's so hard coming to Utah and watching you play in college. I'm thinking, all you got to do is sit there. What's hard about it? You know, <laughs> Now you and, know. Huh? And now I get it. You know, I think you, your hands are tied. There's nothing you can do. You just have to watch them. And, and you're, you know, I've always said, I wish I didn't know basketball the way I do. It'd be easier to watch him, but you see all the mistakes. You see everything he does that you know coaches see, and and you want to help him through those things. And it's it's difficult at times because you're you just don't get you can't help him. He's got to do this on his own. 
So the system, the way it's currently created, and it looks like it'll be changed uh, down the line at some point, is they're basically forcing these kids to do a year of college. And I know, and I've spoken to you several times and how, you know, the idea of being a one and done and get on the NBA. Sean Miller the other day is talking about some kid coming in that's basically going to be playing point guard. He's acknowledging that your son is a one and done. I'm not sure if he's acknowledging the other two freshmen are going to be one and dones, but we've heard about them going in and the Cats could end up with three first round picks and all that stuff. So I want to know from you, since you went through it yourself and now you're on the other end of it, do you think that in terms of development, long-term, not right now, but long-term development, is it better for a kid, as long as they're capable and going to get drafted, is it better for a kid to go from high school in the NBA or play that year in college and then go in the NBA? Well, there are very few kids um, that are physically or mentally ready to make that jump from high school. So I think it's a... You know, it's a rare breed that you're going to get. Sure. Um, and it's changed from when it was when it was first done, and, and guys were jumping because it, it just guys weren't as big and strong when you first started this. Now, you know, these guys are with the weight programs, the athletes that are are in the league today. You know, most guys in high school just physically couldn't go compete. They think they can. You know, Nico would always say, "I think I'm ready for that." Physically, there's no way he's ready for that. You know, coming out of high school. Um, and there are very few. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of guys do it, even when the rule does change in, in 2022, and I think that's the, the time frame for the NBA set, uh, for them to go back to that. Because I think that, you know, and I've always talked to Nico about the one and done and trying to get you get there early. You know, it's not a failure if you play two years of college, in my opinion. I don't think that will be the case because of all the things that's the stuff swirling around Nico right now. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think it's a failure for a kid to play two years. Well, you know, Donovan Mitchell Jones did. Duke playing his second year. He's got a lot better. Tyrese Halliburton, I'm picking point guards because those are the ones I see that are in all the mock drafts compared with Nico. But they're in their second year. You know, Halliburton last year averaged, you know, six points and three assists. This year he's averaging, you know, 16 and seven. That jump you get from that freshman year to your second year is huge because you've been through it. Now you understand the college level. You understand the speed. You understand the athletes you're playing against. And that year, now the second year has really developed you into being ready. If you're ready to go to the pros, if you're that good, then you're, you're, you're another year ready towards that. And I think that's a big thing for these kids. It's, it's just a hard jump. You know, a huge X factor, I think, in this whole process, and it probably still varies from team to team in the NBA, but we're not around all 30 teams. We're around the Jazz. Maybe you know what's going on with the Suns. Um, since you're in Arizona now. But I would say that in the past, I always thought kids developed better in college. They could be overwhelmed and get lost in the pros. But the pro staffs have grown so much over the last decade. This isn't, you know, two or three jazz coaches and one of them out throwing bounce passes before a game. The development is just really detailed and specific. And there's no way with the NCAA having, even however loosely enforced the rule is, with that 20-hour-a-week rule, there is no way a college coach a program could be expected to develop the way guys the way we're seeing jazz players develop. I mean, they just have one player after another who isn't much, and then there's something, and then they're pretty good, and suddenly in their rotation and they're helping with their win streak. Like guys are really improving, and it's obvious to the naked eye. And so I wonder how much that factors in to players' decisions. Nico, in this case, but you know, players all across the board, because I, I don't have a good handle on whether this happens with five, fifteen, or twenty-five. NBA teams 
this level of development? Well, I think I think most of those teams have pretty good player development guys because they've realized, and you can look at the franchises that do. You can see the guys teams have drafted, and then in three years they're they're much better players because one they've you know they've gotten bigger, stronger, mm-hmm. and, and better. But their player development guys have have put them in situations to be successful. And it's one of the things I see you know with Nico this year, not being able to train with his trainer like he did through high school. You know he's taken a step back as far as all the stuff he's he's used to doing. He's tried to just dumb it down and get to where he wants to get on the floor and and some of those things and and the spacing in college isn't the same. But I think those those guys in the NBA, when you don't have a classroom you have to go to, you can train when, whenever you want, you can do all those things, of course you're going to get better. You know? And if you get to the right team who has you know, good player development guys, a good system, and they can plug you into that system, I think you're only going to get better. You know, you've seen the two kids this year, maybe three. You know, LaMelo went over because he had to. R.J. Hampton went to Australia because he decided to skip college. Um, Terry Armstrong, who had committed to Arizona, along with Nico in that class of freshmen, um, he decided at the end of the day that he was going to go over and play in Australia. And that's the, because they figured, I can go train, I don't have to go to school, I can play against grown men and some pros. And, and they, that was the path they thought would be better because of it, what you're talking about, is that development side. And, and there's some, I think there's some pluses to that, I think there's some minuses to it. You know, Nico could have gone overseas and played. He could have gone to Italy and played and made money, but he wanted the college experience. You know, so I think it's just a matter of you know, what what are your you know economic situations with your kids? Do you need that? And there are some some things that come into it that I don't think everybody has to go through. Well, yeah, the Mannion household living over there in North Phoenix, North Scottsdale, man, they're just rolling in it. So they don't have to worry Big about money. it. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I've been yeah. over that area, man. It's very exclusive <laughs> off the uh, Loop Freeway there. So, I mean, I know. Yeah, there are some there are some nice areas. I wish I was in one of those. <laughs> nice. <laughs> How about two? I'm wondering, you know, I watched the games, and, and I watched them in high school, and I talked to you about playing them in high school, and you told me when he was on television, and I made sure I watched them and all. And obviously you were impressed uh, with just the way he played the game. And I always said that he could score 35, and it would seem like it was a th- quiet 35 because if you were open, he had no problem getting you the ball, even though he was scoring a bunch of shots or t- scoring a bunch of points, I mean. And now I'm watching, and I'm wondering for you, Pace, if you've seen this, if I'm off base, if I am, tell me. You've had no problem telling me to shut up in years past. So <laughs> I- I'm wondering the the amount of pressure that, is on so we'll use him as an example and, and any heralded freshman who comes in you know especially at, at the University of Arizona where the football team basically sucks and it's been a basketball school for a number of years and everybody in Tucson just lives and breathes a or a U of A basketball or I guess it's U Arizona now is what they're supposed to call it something stupid but uh, I'm wondering about the pressure because the standard to live up to is just so enormous. And I felt like as I was watching that Oregon State game, the pressure of, my gosh, we're supposed to win because we've got these three heralded freshmen here and we got Jeter and a couple other guys and Sean Miller, who just looks like, you know, he's going to have a heart attack anytime the team gets down by two points. I'm just wondering how all that, how he's handling all this pressure because everybody knows who he is. They're supposed to win. He's supposed to make every shot. All this stuff all rolled into one. Um, that's been, you know, that's one of the things we talked about earlier is, you know, there are certain things you have to go through on your own. 
and that's part of, of part of it. Now, is Nico under more stress than most kids? I believe so. You know, he comes in under the FBI investigation, the NCAA stuff. You know, he's heralded as you know, coming in to help save the program. Right. And the Josh and Zeke. Yeah. There's all those. And Nico Moore, because he was the highest-ranked kid. He yes. The one that was projected to go to the NBA earlier. All the things that have happened for him has been – it's just added more pressure to him and, and what, he, what he has to do. Um, I think he's handled it well. I, I think he is – you know, there are times I watch him play, and I know that he's second-guessing what he's doing. Uh, and so is there stress? Of course there is. You know, you're being coached by a great coach. He wants certain things that you're not used to doing. There are, you know, you're used to pulling up and taking shots, and he, in his mind sometimes those are quick. Those aren't good shots. Those are this. So now you have to go through that process of is this a good shot? Should I take it? Should I? And you don't have that time in the middle of a basketball game to think like that. So my job with Nico is just to say, hey, you can't worry about that. You know, if you're open – you just have to shoot. If he wants to take you out, he'll take you out for it. But you have to be who you are, and what's got you here was, you know, was playing with that air of confidence where you felt like you could do whatever you wanted, and you have to continue that. And it's hard because you don't want to go against a coach. You want to keep your teammates involved because now you're playing with better guys. You're playing against better defenses, so it's not as easy as it was in high school. But you have to find that, that middle ground, I think, in that balance to be the player you've always been, the player that he recruited you to be. And, you know, and then it's on Sean – to, to, you know, no, hey, I recruited you because of how you were in high school, not because of, you know, I don't want to turn you into T.J. McConnell. You know, I want you to be free enough to make decisions and plays that you're, you're capable of making that, you know, T.J. is a great player, but he's not the athlete or the creator that Nico is, so it, it's different. And Sean's always said, I've never had a point guard like this, and I think sometimes it's harder to coach somebody like that because of the freedoms he's willing to take and, and the risks he's willing to take and, Sean wants a real efficient guard. And with Nico's style, sometimes you're going to have an extra two turnovers. You're going to have an extra bad shot. You know? But you know, he's always found a way to – that's been a positive in his game, and we'll see if he can get that back in his game you know, for the last 15 games of the Pac-12. Well, you referenced it, so we might as well get to Twitter right now because what was coming up on Twitter was uh, they wanted to know about Nico choosing Arizona in the shadow of the FBI investigation and how big a deal that was, or was it just part of the retirement plan all along? Oh, of course, it was just the money. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, you guys. I mean, everybody knows. You know, it's funny that that's the question that's asked because you know Nico was recruited by you know, some very good schools and. Uh, when it came down to, to Arizona and Marquette, which we thought were both good fits, yeah, Arizona was going through what they were going through, but everybody on the outside was hearing the stories from the newspaper or whatever social media place they were getting it. You know, me, I was talking to um, the head of compliance at Arizona and Sean Miller, and I was getting, I knew when stories were coming out, I knew what was being said, I knew the backdrop behind it, and I would just continually explain all that to Nico. And so we always had an idea of, of how things were going and where we thought it would go. Of course, it's a risk. But, you know, when Sean came into the house and pitched Nico on what he wanted to do and, and things he was, he was looking to do with Nico and Josh and, and Zeke if they got him, you know, um, he sold Nico. And, and he came in on September 9th, in-house meeting, had a nice meal with him and his staff. And then he pitched what he, what he could do. The next day, we went out of town. When I landed, Nico called me, and he said, I want to commit. I mean, Marquette was coming that day to his high school. 
he was supposed to go to Marquette the following weekend, and he just said, uh, this is where I want to be. I don't want to waste anybody's time, anybody's money. This is where I want to be. Um, and so, you know, that's, it came down to him just following what he felt best about. And, and it was, he, he's the only, I, I guarantee you, and I, well, I can't guarantee it, but I would think he was the only five-star top ten kid that never took a visit. You know, he didn't go anywhere. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But he never went on a, he never went on a trip. He went to Arizona after he committed, but that was just to go up during the red and blue game and, you know, get his, be able to stay in the hotel and hang with his buddies and, you know, get, get some meals and, and have some fun with everybody. But he didn't go through that. But he was sold with Sean and, and what he went through. How is it paced balancing, you're playing for a college team and, you know, you're trying to win and, and get to the NCAA tournament and all the stuff that goes in with the collegiate aspect, which you know as well as anybody. But at the same time, you got 30 scouts in the stands and people are getting film on you. And so how do you balance in the moment of trying to win and have fun at the collegiate level, but also display your talents for the draft that's coming up in the summer? Uh, it's a great question because I think that's one of the toughest things you know these, these young kids go through. And it's not the fact that playing in the game, they're worried about the NBA at that moment. They just want to win. They're right. all competitors. You know, you know, I've tried to tell Nico that the stats for you really don't matter. You just need to play. The stats will be what they are. Guys know what you can do already. Guys that are sold on you are sold on you. Guys that are iffy on you are going to stay iffy on you. You know, you only need one scout to love you, one GM to love you, and that's where you'll end up. But um, I think the pressure of that and trying to keep him just – Hey, let's. I try to get. We, we rarely talk about NBA talk. Um, we talk about what's going on in college. Enjoy the day. Work hard. The only thing you control is how hard you work today, and if you get better today. The, the rest of it, you don't know what's going to happen. So just go practice hard every day. Hit the weights. Do what you're supposed to do. Get better and move on. You know, you have a bad game, put it in the past and move on. You have a good game, put it in the past and move on. Because you have to just go that way. And he's been in front of scouts his whole life. You know, I mean, when he went down to the Hoop Summit. And there were, you know, 100 NBA scouts and, and GMs to watch them practice nine times in Portland. I could have never done that. Never could I have done that. that was so, to me, there would have been so much pressure to do that. And to him, it was just, I said, were you nervous? He goes, hey, once, once you start playing, Dad, I don't have time to, to worry about those guys. I just got to play. And to be able to block that out as an 18-year-old kid and go through that in front of, with that kind of stress and those kind of athletes that you're playing against, to me was was just really impressive and it just shows his you know his mental toughness and it's this year he's you know he's battled he's you know he hasn't played well the last you know five six games he's played well he's just shot the ball not as well as he normally has that's just a thing you have to work your way through and you know he will just like everybody does everybody goes through those those you know a few weeks where they don't shoot it and and he's done it his whole life and he's worked his way out of it so i don't see why this would be any other way but that's a i think that's the hardest thing on these kids is the stress level they go through so all that mental toughness stuff, uh, he didn't get that from Pace Manning. He gets that from his mom, am I right? <laughs> well, if that's the case, he got the mental toughness, the hops, the, you know, everything from <laughs> everything. her. You know, I, I, you know, I, was, I did very little. You shot it. That's not what I heard. That's Mark Croft used either. to always say yeah. you were a, a street baller. You were a total B.A. out on the floor. 
I appreciate your humility. It's one of my better qualities also. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we know, you know, you're a Ute and uh, obviously have been one. I think you're in the uh, Crimson Club Hall of Fame and all that stuff. Uh, so they're going to go down to Tucson. How's it going to be to actually be rooting against the Utes? Um, well, it won't be hard because it's my kid playing, so it's not really a a tough decision, but um, it would have been, I, I was, I really wanted to see him play in Salt Lake, and that would have been fun. I think that would have been more emotional than watching him at McHale. Okay, yeah. You know, watching him, you know, in Salt Lake City playing against Utah on that floor. Same that building. Arena, for yeah. me, would have been fun to watch. You yeah. know, but this time, it's just, hey, it's Nico. They've, you know, they're coming off two tough losses in Oregon. Utah's coming off a bad loss to Colorado. Um, you know, it's going to be a battle. They're both good teams. So it's just going to be, you know, I'm, I'm just obviously cheering for Arizona. Um, you know, but that's just blood's thicker than my ties to University of Utah. Oh, for sure. Pace Mannion joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So enough about your son Nico and his play and what he's got to do with his game. Give advice to parents as you go through how you dealt with him in high school, how you're dealing with him in college, and inevitably when he's playing pro basketball, how you're going to be dealing. What is the appropriate amount of interaction for a parent to have with a kid as they go through each of those levels of play? Well, I think the first thing you need to, to figure out is, is how much does your kid really love the game? You know, because if you're doing it for you and you're living vicariously through him, I think that's a, you know, I've watched it, you know, throughout the Under Armour circuit and, and watching these parents, and they want it more than their son does. And I think that's the, you know, it's tough. You know, I want, it, I want Nico to succeed um, for him. You know, but I think the, the interaction you have is, is always going to be dependent on the relationship you have with your son or daughter who's playing and, and, and going to go through the process of being recruited. Nico and I had, you know, did we battle? Yeah. Did he cry when I got on it? Did he get mad when I'd say, you know, point out all the things he did wrong in the game after the, in a car ride home? Of course he did, you know. But he figured out that I was, I was, I was trying to help him. You know, it was hard for him to figure that out because he took it personally because he was, you know, 13 years old, 12 years old. And uh, we finally had a, had a talk about, do you want to hear, let me tell you what you want to hear or what you need to hear? Because I can do both. And he said, no, I just, just tell me what I want to hear. So after one tournament, I, I did. After the game, I just told him how great he was. And then I just sat silent for about the next 10 minutes. And he finally couldn't take it. He said, all right, all right, tell me. You know? <laughs> and so from that cool. point on, he understood that I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to help you get better. So he's handled as he's matured and he's gotten better. You know, he, 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 knows, he knows the game well enough now. I don't have to tell him when he made a mistake. He knows the minute he did it. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't have to tell him how, how did you – how did you make that pass? I mean, that was, or how did you get backdoored on that play? I mean, those things are, he knows the minute it happened, man, I screwed up. So, you know, he's got a very high IQ when it comes to the game, and he's only going to get better with that. And I think the NBA will be more suited in college because of the spacing um, and how he plays. Um, so, you know, I think it'll be a, a, it'll be a tough transition, but it'll be fun, you know. And then the, the parent side of it, I, for me, I'm just along for the ride right now. I'm just, you know, I get calls from all the NBA agents. Um, I'm dealing with those. I told Nico I'd deal with all that. I'd pick three or four and put them in front of him, and you can interview with three or four that I think you'll like and, and make your decision. You don't have to go through the, the ones, all the ones I've talked to. So, and, uh, but as a parent, it's tough. 
it's a tough line to walk of just being a dad and not being too hard on your kid and, and pushing him out of the game. That's one thing I really tried not to do. Well, next year when he's making all that money, how about I come down to my homeland and we go to some fancy place over there at Desert Ridge and you pop. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Marley's. You do, you, do you go to Marley's? Um, not very often. It's right there. I mean, it's right at Desert Ridge. You know, I'm yeah. only about 10 minutes from that, that place. Right. And, uh, but no, I, I mean, it's a sports bar. You know, if I'm going somewhere to eat, I want to get better food than the sports bar food. Okay, well, so. I'm up for that too. <laughs> You're mine. What the heck? <laughs> I eat better. I eat better at home than I eat anywhere else. So I can't. You know, I don't. Uh, I, I don't like is. to go out much. Yeah, that's the way my mother used to be. Man, she's gone now, but her Italian food was off the charts. Yeah, yeah, we're spoiled here for sure. Uh, that's one, and it's funny. That's one thing Nico said. Man, mom, I, I miss. I miss your meals. You know. He, he realized now he realizes what he had. Yeah. So we take him, you know, whenever we go to Tucson, there's usually a, a few Tupperwares full of risotto or pasta or something <laughs> she's made. So he can you know, have two or three days, four days of, of pasta, and he has to fight his teammates to keep okay. away from it. But, well, then just give me the code to get through the gates, and then I'll just eat at your house. <laughs> All right. All right. Code. I'll send you. Yeah, I'll definitely send you the right code. <laughs> you know me, twelve hot dogs, and I'm good to go. <laughs> I've seen that in action, dude. <laughs> and I remember you talking about it the next time I saw you. You're up all night drinking water. <laughs> oh, man, I thought it was going to explode. That was a stupid bet. All right. Pace, as always, good to talk to you. Say hi to Nico. Tell him uh, every time he goes left, I take full credit. I'll let him know. Okay. I pushed him hard on that set. I'll let him know. <laughs> I did. Worked him out. Personal trainer <laughs> to a second grader. All right. Thanks, Pace. All right, guys. We'll see you. There's Pace Mannion, his son Nico Mannion, playing for the University of Arizona, and they will play the Utes tonight. All right, coming up next, Joe Ingles. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Time for the Joe Ingles Show. Joe catching up with us on a travel day in the show yesterday. Play it for you early risers right now as the Jazz get ready to play the Pelicans tonight. Here's Joe. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic... And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. (laughs) With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles, brought to you by your hard-working friends and Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joe, you really went above and beyond. I've talked to you for uh, many, many times about have a good game, make sure it's a win for you, come on, so we can joke around, but 
27. You you were on fire right from the start. You hit that three for five nothing, and it was go time. <laughs> I mean, we've been a constant uh, thing on our whiteboard as the, the year goes on. We have to win before I do radio, and um, I got a, a bit of a late uh, text that it was going to be possibly tomorrow instead of Thursday, Friday, and so we just had to do what we had to do. <laughs> Do you have any idea how many points you're scoring? Because obviously you tied your career high. You took a late three that did not go in. Were you aware of that? Or you, obviously, I know you don't care of it, about it, but are you aware of it? Um, yeah, I, I obviously def, definitely don't care. Um, I'm not. I'm not like like too aware. I guess I don't look up at the thing too often, or to to try and see. Um, I try and look up to see what the actual game of the, the score of the game is. Um, but I don't, yeah, I mean, I obviously knew I'd <laughs> scored some points because I'd, I'd made a few shots and whatever, but um, not enough to, like, know exactly where I'm at or whatever. So. so I don't know how big a baseball fan you are, but in Major League Baseball, if a guy's... I'm not at all. Yeah, in Major League Baseball, there's a tradition, if a pitcher's throwing a no-hitter, then the other guys in the dugout aren't supposed to mention it to him. When you got a good night going shooting the ball... And you were six of eight for three. You missed the last one, so obviously you're six of seven going into that. Do guys on the teammate when you're out for a few minutes? Do the guys on the bench talk to you about that, or in the timeout, or does no one talk about that stuff? Somebody look at you and say, "Joe, you're on fire tonight." I thought you were going to say they bang on the wall with a uh, something when they when the defense changes. (laughs) That's nice. Um, That's a good one. (laughs) No, not really. I mean, you. I mean, you know, obviously, as an individual or whatever, as you playing the game like that you've 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 made some shots and um not like i don't we, we talk obviously on the bench we talk about the what's going on in the game and, and even the guys from the bench every time we come out it's like hey i think you can look at this option or when you're going this way they're trying to do this or they're helping from here and um and offensively too um down the other end and and obviously defensively like hey i think you can whatever it is, shade Curry to his left because he wants to try and get back to it, whatever it is. And um, we've got a really good team with um, realizing that. And um, obviously, uh, like we've said a bunch of times, a very high high IQ team. So um, everyone's obviously open to listen, and um, that's, that's what we do. So for years, you know, Joe was the math teacher. That's what people would go as the default thing to try to make fun of you as far as your production and the way you look and blah, blah, blah. And then Dwayne Casey came out and said, oh, yeah, people say he's a bartender, but no, he's playing like an all-star. What's your favorite other occupation that you've been compared to? Um, I, don't mind the bar- I don't mind the bartender, actually, because I think I'd actually be a really good bartender. You would have a lot of give well, and take cust- with the customers, I'm sure. My customers would enjoy. I definitely wouldn't like pour the right amount. I'd just freestyle and pour whatever they wanted. So I'd <laughs> probably get in trouble in trouble with my boss. But um, would you trash talk? I used to think like <laughs> I did. Used to think like the UPSs or whatever, like delivery driver thing was funny because I could actually picture myself like with the door open, like. Driving like imagine the beautiful weather and you got the drive and you just throw some boxes at people's front doors. <laughs> it would be kind of fun. There you go. <laughs> but I'm never going to do any of them. So bad luck to everyone. 
Joe Ingles joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, listening to different people call the games, whether it's national TV, local TV, lock on radio. I'm curious, and they've kind of talked, speculated, maybe they know a little bit. What's the balance when you're running the offense between making the basketball play, you know, this guy's open, th- this is a better percentage shot, get to this guy here, or hey, we're attacking specific guys on defense. We know we want to get a matchup, and we want to go at that guy because he just can't stay in front of people. When you're running the offense, which of those ways do the Jazz tend to do it? Um, definitely more um, what the team's trying to achieve or whatever, not not so much the individual. Um, we've, I don't, know, I don't know if it's like an unwritten rule or we just kind of do it ourselves, but... We, again, having a, a pretty smart team, um, we find ourselves getting in that situation a lot of actually just that individual, whoever it might be on that given night, trying to um, end up on the ball. Um, we do have a lot of stuff that we can play like guard-to-guard actions that they'll switch and then we can play with Rudy or, or whatever and um, <laughs> get the, the the worst defender or whatever we're trying to do involved. But um, we were talking about it, I can't remember, re- recently about doing that. And I think the thing that can hurt you, I think the thing that hurts other teams is you obsess about it too much. It's like you, you, every possession, you're like looking for this guy and you're like forcing, trying to get this guy like switched onto the ball. And then you look up and there's six seconds on the clock and you've wasted a whole possession and then you really don't end up getting that good a shot anyway because you've wasted the whole possession trying to figure out who it is and defenses are smart you, know, you can hedge and you can hide guys in the court like, there's ways you can kind of get around it so um, I think if it happens naturally and it just kind of like, it just just kind of happens it's, it, it's a good thing uh, I think you, you you want to attack the other team's weaknesses as a team or individually um, but yeah we've never obsessed over it which I think is a good thing since you moved in the starting lineup, the, the three-point shooting has just been record-breaking. Do you have any particular explanation as to why you're shooting the ball so freaking well? No, I don't. Like, I I mean, I've been asked it before, and, and obviously, like, coincidentally, the, the timing of it with going in the starting lineup, I, I mean, I would never, I'm never ever going to say that that's the reason I was shooting bad or I'm shooting well and playing well now because I'm starting. Like, that's just not accurate. I don't think it's like it's not fair on like Mike and coach and I accepted the role of, of what I accepted to, to come off the bench and help the team and I wasn't playing well and, and that was on me. Like It was like figure it out and, and I wanted to figure it out and um, when Mike ends up coming back, if that's me again, then like I'm going to figure it out. Like I think I'm I think I'm playing with more confidence than I was at the start of the year. Uh, I think at the start of the year with all the new guys, you're trying to figure out like where you get involved and where you can be aggressive and where you you kind of like sit back. And um, I probably I probably kind of uh, similar to my first couple of years, like overpassed to to try and get Mike in, involved and getting comfortable and get Boyan involved and get them comfortable and. Um, Obviously, since Mike going out, I've had the ball in my hands a lot more, so that that um, has helped. But it's the, the confidence that comes with that to make plays and then to get an open shot and make it. And 
at the start of the year, I wasn't making shots, so you don't play with as much confidence because you, you're yeah. not as confident in it. So, um, yeah, I think just that there really is the confidence at um, the level of confidence I'm playing with. You know, there are a lot of guys shooting the ball with confidence right now. You got four guys on the team shooting better than 40% from three. That is. The, easily the best in the league as a team. You're the best three point shooting team in the league. So I'm wondering, is there a little competition among the four of you? You like to trash talk everybody. Does the minivan let you have it because he's shooting a little better from three on the season? Anything like that? I didn't even know there was four of us <laughs> shooting yeah. better than whatever you said, forty percent. So um, maybe now there will be, but um, no. It's, I mean, it's. I, I knew as a team we were shooting well because the coaching staff had brought it up before that like look to take these shots because you guys are like as a team we're I think we're the best three point shooting team or you are best percentage on whatever attempts or something that's really good so um, like why wouldn't we take them when we're shooting that well um, I think guys have bought into their roles and are doing like like George knows coming in the game like you're not out there to get 10 rebounds like you're out there to shoot the ball in space of four so when you're out there and, and I think he his confidence he, I don't think some of the shots even last night he wouldn't have taken those shots a month ago or six weeks ago or two two months ago um, and he know, like he knows what he's out there to do like if he makes I don't think he I don't think he made his three last night but if he makes one or two of them he obviously will stay out there probably a little bit a bit longer and um We'll run more stuff for him, and like it's just that's what what he knows he has to do, and that's what we expect him to do. So, um, yeah, I think everyone just kind of buying into your roles and knowing what you're doing. I think our team's really, really comfortable, like in that in, in those situations right now. So on the broadcast, you could hear Coach Schneider saying, "What what what was going on? Why did he get it? Why did he get it?" And he was talking about your technical <laughs> foul. So what is the mystery? Can you reveal it? Why'd you get teed up, Joe? Well, I end up. After that, after he did it, we had a timeout. I went to ask him, like, why he gave me it. And he didn't want to talk to me. He basically told me not to talk to him. So um, I think coach spoke to him. And then later on in the game, something happened. And me and him actually started laughing at it. It was quite funny. And we started laughing. And then the timeout happened. So I was like, hey, can we talk now? Like, (laughs) can I ask you a question? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm not going to say what was said or what he thought was said, but he thought I said something different to what I said. So um, if he if he had heard what he thought he heard, he deserved a technical. <laughs> um, I told him that it wasn't that, um, which wasn't a lie. I didn't say what he thought I said, but um, it wasn't what it was. Like it was... I thought I'd got fouled on the first play or the, the drive with Kyrie. He was holding my arm the whole time while I was driving and he was probably in the wrong, wrong angle to see it anyway, so I probably should have said it to someone else, but he didn't know you do what you do and um, I'll pay the 2500 bucks and keep it moving. So it was just a big, great misunderstanding. Yeah, it was a big understanding. We had a big laugh. We had, I easily laughed about it after that timeout because I was like if I had said that then like of course I would get a technical like I would expect to get a technical if I had said that but I didn't so did, he was like oh no no worries like so it was all good did the word involve mother 
no. Okay. I might have had a couple other words, but <laughs> they were so foreign to me that I didn't really know how to use them in the right context. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. That's Joe's story. I've heard you. He's sticking to it. Do you ever wonder if uh, Locke was wondering about this, Locke and Booner are wondering about this, if referees sometimes want to give players a tee early in the game so they don't have to listen to them the rest of the game? Because obviously, if you say anything after that, you get a singing tee and you're out and you don't want that. So when you get one early, you've you got to tone it down a little bit. I think it definitely – I've said this before, and like when I was um, coming off the bench and stuff, that you, there, there's obviously not every – obviously they, they're – generally are refereeing the same the same rules and all that, but they don't individually ref exactly the same. So um you've you've gotta you've gotta see how the game's gonna be played. And I, I think even their coach, Kenny Kenny got one last night, um and he was like he yelled at constantly the same thing, but he wasn't like swearing, but it was like it was the same referee. It was like, all right, give him a tea and like just like shut like shut up and let's play the game kind of thing. Um, and like you said, no one wants to get thrown out because obviously as a player, you want to play and compete. And as a coach, they need to coach the game. So um, I definitely think you can you can read the game. Like uh, when I said what I said, which I didn't think deserved a certain call, and he gave me one, I was like, oh, we're in for a, a long night because that's how it's going to be. It's like it's going to be a tighter game. They're going to call call things that they see and. Um, going to be like that so you just you just adjust to, to kind of how the referee is going to call it you don't have a choice and they're uh they're professionals so they know what they're doing so you got 10 in a row 15 out of 16 and obviously those are incredible numbers how do you not get caught up in that the win streak and and piling up all these wins and stay focused at the task at hand um i don't know you just i don't know <laughs> i don't really think it's rocket science we just do like it's we felt good last night we played a good game we wake up today and head over to New Orleans and think about the the game there and obviously start scouting and thinking about that and every every game has got something kind of different um, like Kyrie being back um, the reports of like potentially Zion playing tomorrow yeah. uh, so every game's got something a little bit different and you play teams that are lower, like record-wise, and they've got something to play for, for for some reason. Like they've got a reason they're obviously playing hard individually or a team. And obviously, the teams with good records and winning records are, are trying to stay as high as possible on the on the standing. So um, there's always like motiv- there's always motivation going into a game to figure out what we need to do and how we can do it, and to. Like if it's a, a Giannis or a LeBron, whoever you're playing against, in an individual kind of battle that your team's trying to win, and um, there's, there's, it's not very hard to get motivated, <laughs> I should say. So, how much attention do you pay to college basketball? How much do you know about Zion? I mean, the guy was a phenomenon, all that. But you're so into an NBA season, I never know how much time you guys have for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I actually got asked after the after the game last night if I cared that he was going to potentially play or not. And I was like, no, because like, and that no disrespect for him, but like, I don't. If he plays, great. Like, I'm I'm really happy that he's he's healthy first and foremost. He you don't want to see anyone injured, and he was the number one pick, so it's exciting for the league and for New Orleans. And but like, do I do I care if he plays? Not really. Um, 
we, we were actually, I don't know how many how many games he played in preseason, but he played against us when we played them. Um, yeah. And played proper minutes, played the full, I don't know what he played, he probably played 25, 28 minutes. Um, so we actually were one of the few teams in the league that's played against him. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for him that he's back and that he's healthy because you don't want to see anyone injured, but um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's good for the league. So, as you're compiling all these impressive wins and you're doing great, there's been some reaction while they're doing it against teams that are, above, are not above 500. We've spoken to uh, to you about this. Uh, and, it, and and it is, yeah, for sure, because as you say, every team has NBA players and all, and I and I buy all that, and every road win is tough to get, and you, you accumulate them as many as you can. But you talk about how there's motivation out there, and each team, each guy has his own motivation. Teams have their motivations, whatever it might be. I'm wondering, when you get to that point, which is coming up before the All-Star break, when you play a bunch of teams that are above 500. Are you guys thinking that that could provide a motivation to where, hey, all right, yeah, we beat these teams, but we can also beat these teams too? For sure. Um, I think every win you get and every um, game you, you play well as a group, you, you gain a bit more confidence. And um, they asked me after the game about, like, do we think we're playing our best or is there things to improve on? Like, of course there is. There's, Last night we were, I think we got it out to 20 or close to 20 and they yeah. went on a run and got it back to 12 like within a minute. Right. It's like, well, we can watch that. Like, how, how can we stop that? Like, what, what do we need to do to be able to get a good shot or a good possession or a stop that um, that stops that? And obviously, yeah, like the, the record is, the, 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 the schedule is the schedule and team's record is what it is. Like we, people act like that was our choice that like we decided to play a bunch of lower lower place teams now to get ourselves going or something it's like everyone everyone has ups and downs in their schedule of like the ease of it and and how tough it can get and um you you play who's in front of you and there's like i said the individual's motivation team's motivation um like like not one person's out there trying to lose if they're eight and 30 or 30 and oh like whatever it is it doesn't Everyone's out there trying to win a basketball game. Every coach is trying to coach your team to win. And um, again, like I said, like I've said, like the NBA players are really good. Like regardless of if you're ranked number one by whoever ESPN or if you're ranked number 450, you're still a really good basketball player. So um, every every game's tough. Every, like I said, every game's got a different challenge or something involved in it. And like tomorrow, it's it might be Zion if he, he ends up playing. Um, we had a obviously had a pretty close game with them, um, whatever it was, ten days ago. So um, yeah, we'll like I said, we'll switch to to New Orleans now and and get ready for that one. All right, Joe, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes in the midst of your travel schedule, and we'll see you when you get back to Utah. No worries. Thanks for having me. There's Joe Ingles. He's with us every week. We're taking a break. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.